Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Awesome. Excited to be here with you today. God bless you. Thank you uh, for joining us. I want to start today, uh, first of all, just to make sure uh, some clarity. Uh, this Oaks Business Networking, this is for any and all business people, male, female. Uh, we're just going to do lunch and socialize and, and share some stuff. We got some really cool vision. We'll, as, gr- as we grow this and develop this, have some speakers and interviews and opportunities for you guys to share. Uh, we want to build the kingdom, and part of building the kingdom is building each other strong. Amen? Um, many of you know I have a real passion for the business world. I planned on being in the business world for my whole career, and God had other plans, and I'm in the church world uh, a lot. I also do a lot of things with business coaching and mentoring and executive coaching and team building and things, and so we want to invest in our church business folks. It's going to be awesome. We've got big plans, big vision for the future of what we're doing this. And also, get this question a lot, youth, what does youth mean? Uh, youth means 6th through 12th grade. We have, I'm sure, some college kids that come hang out, but that's our team ministry, Oaks Youth, all right? So get plugged in there. We believe in the next generation. We want to elevate and build people up at the highest level. And today, what I want to do is I want to start by praying for you as our congregation. I know there's a bunch of you that are online at home right now with your feet up in your robe with something warm to drink because you're not feeling very good. Lots of junk going around, uh, just going around, right? Uh, My wife's at home this morning, woke up with some crud or something, so we just... God bless you. A little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this. I just, God bless you, honey. Um, anyway, so, so, but we're going to pray. Let's pray for our congregation. Let's pray for health. Let's pray for recovery. Let's pray for, uh, for God to work miraculously. Uh, part of what we have the joy and the benefit of is we have a Savior who didn't just come to save us for eternity. We have a Savior that came to save us right here and now from all types of different things, including sickness and disease. Amen? So let's pray. Father, in the name name of Jesus. We thank you for divine healing. We thank you for your supernatural nature. Jesus, you are a healer. That is your nature, is to heal. One of the names of God is Jehovah uh, Rafa, our healer. You are our healer, Father, and we ask you right now that you release your nature to heal upon us in Jesus' name. Jesus, you would send forth your word and heal. Just a word, God. Just a word. We know in Scripture that people would lay hands on the sick. They would anoint them with oil. But Jesus, there were times that you just said the word, and because of the faith of your people, your word would resonate and would transfer, Father. So we believe right now that this word can transfer through these internet waves, through these audio waves. People may be listening to this a a week from now, a month from now on a podcast, but your healing power is alive and well. In Jesus' name, Father, release your nature to heal right now. We command symptoms to go away and to diminish. We thank you that arthritis will bow its knee, asthma will bow its knee, diabetes will bow its knee, all types of of congenital disease and all types of uh, transferable viruses, bacteria, all of them die on contact because we are the kingdom of God and inside of the kingdom of heaven, sickness and disease cannot prevail. So Father, we release your healing power upon your people in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. We're in the middle of a series called As for me and my house, and I uh, encourage you, if you've missed any of the weeks, that you would jump into that. One of the, uh, and you can find that at Oaks Church. 
oakchurchtexas.com. Uh, click the media button. You can watch all the messages on our YouTube, Oaks Church Texas, on our social media. They're all Oaks Church Texas. And uh, so we're excited that you can catch up in all of that. But we focused on a verse out of Romans chapter 1 that, that says, uh, the, the title of this message is, is out of a, a de- declaration that Joshua made. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is a decision that we make. This is a stance that we have, a standard that we set. Obviously, as our children grow up, uh, they have the ability to make their own decisions. And, but we have a promise in Scripture that says that if you will train up your child in the way they should go, that when they are old, they will not turn from the truth. They will, they will live their life according to the truth. So you keep holding on to that promise and declaring no matter what may be going on, because guess what? I was a good kid that got a little rebellious and went off path for a while, but I had a praying mama, and I had a godly father, and they stood, and they declared, and, and I came back to a place of incredible salvation, had an amazing encounter, and I'm living my life today and doing what I'm doing today because of the prayers of the people that came before me and the declarations of who I would be, and they would not give up. They wouldn't give up. Come on, a praying mama can make a big difference. You know, one of the prayers my mama prayed over me was she would pray I got caught. Oh, I would hate that prayer. She's like, Joel, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm praying you get caught. And let me tell you what, all of my friends got away with everything. I couldn't get away with anything. I got caught at everything. Dang you, mama. Thank you, mama, for praying that prayer. The second verse has really been a centerpiece of this is the verse in Romans 1 that says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, the world that we live in wants you to be ashamed of what you believe. Uh, I was, had a conversation with some pastors this week about what's going on in Canada If you haven't paid attention to that, you should watch it. You should look at the laws that are being passed in Canada that restrict pastors and keep them from being able to declare the full gospel. And if there are certain things that are said when these bills pass, that the churches will shut down and pastors will go to jail. And attendees of the church can be put in jail as well. And if you don't think that stuff could come here, you better wake up. You better wake up. Christians have to stand. We, we, we have to be involved in the school board. We have to be involved in local government. We have to let our light shine. We have to let our voice be heard. We cannot be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be bold. We need to take a firm stance. We need to be representatives of the light of Jesus Christ in the earth. Christians are too passive. Jesus was not passive. Jesus was aggressive. Read your Bible. Jesus went into the temple. He, listen, listen, listen. D- Jesus didn't just have a temper tantrum and have a bad morning, miss his coffee, didn't get a kolache, and, and, and was in a bad mood and shows up and, and turns over table. It says that he fashioned a whip. Jesus sat around with his boys by the campfire making a whip. What are you doing, Jesus? You'll see. <laughs> he goes in. This would be like walking. Come on. You, <laughs> oh, my God. You think January 6th was something? 
Jesus went in and turned. He didn't just take Nancy's computer and steal electric. He turned the whole thing upside down. An actual insurrection. He turned the whole thing upside down, took over the temple, and set up shop. And they couldn't do anything about it. I'm not advocating for different actions. I'm just saying that Jesus was not a wuss. It's my only point. Jesus wasn't a wuss. He wasn't a pacifist. He was aggressive. He stood up for what was right. He said, my father's house will be a house of prayer, not a den of robbers. And we as the people of God need to stand up. Be bold. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. All of these people that need salvation can't get salvation without the gospel that you have. They can't receive salvation without people like you and I carrying the gospel with us. So today I want to talk about what is the gospel. What is the gospel? What does it mean? It means good news. What is the good news? Do we know? As people that are, have been given a mission to carry the good news, do we know what the good news actually is? How often do we share the good news? How often do we talk about the good news? When's the last time that you recognized you were sitting with someone or around someone that didn't know Jesus? And you, and, and you talked to them about the relationship that you have with Jesus. And, and whether you led them to him or prayed a prayer with him right there, you sowed seeds to a future salvation. When's the last time? See, see, I didn't become a pastor because I went to school to be a pastor and I wanted to be a pastor my whole life and I dreamed of being a pastor as a six, seven, eight-year-old boy. That was not me. I was not that kid. I became a pastor because I, 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 I began to live my life for Jesus so out front, so bold, so open that I literally was pastoring everywhere I went. If you met me, you were gonna hear about Jesus. You were gonna hear my testimony. If you sat next to me on a plane... You were going to see me reading my Bible, and, you, and if you asked me a single question about it, we were having a conversation. I, I literally, I mean, it was, I, I, would, I would be late almost everywhere in my 20s, not because I was late, because I was fishing, fishing for men. My buddies and I, God, in our mid-20s, we'd have dinner plans. We're, we're getting ready to walk in the restaurant, and we see somebody. It's the three amigos, four amigos, uh, and we're all in our 20s, businessmen in the church. None, I mean, all of us, just happy businessmen in the church in our mid-20s. And, and the women go into the restaurant, and the guys look at each other and say, you see that guy over there? I think he needs Jesus. And we would be late for dinner, women sitting in there getting frustrated because we're praying for some dude by a gas pump. Because we carried the gospel. We knew the good news and we wanted to share it. But what happens to us in life? We hear a lot of bad news. We hear a lot of bad news and it can jade us. And it can slow us down and it can keep us because we don't want to offend somebody. We don't want to force our beliefs on somebody. We... But unless you share the good news, people don't know, they don't hear. They form their opinions based on something they heard on TV about a, a, a Christian or a pastor or a, somebody that did something wrong. 
And they need to know people in their life that live it and declare it and show the love of God wherever they go. Are, are, you, are you living that life? See, can I, can I be really, 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 really honest with you? Really honest. As a full-time professional preacher guy, I mean, literally, my whole, my whole week revolves around declaring Jesus. But the struggle for me is when, I, when I'm off the clock, I want to be off the clock. I don't want to... Jennifer and I went and got a couple's massage the other day. And we're laying there, and Jen starts telling this lady that we're pastors. I'm like, shut up. Will you please just, sh- I want to, I just want to lay here and no, no talking. And, and listen, I already peeped this lady. She was Nigerian or something. She had giant earrings that said, I heart Jesus. I know you love Jesus, but can I just lay here in peace? And my wife couldn't be quiet. So now I'm answering questions. When I want to relax. But as Christians, Christians don't get to clock out. You don't clock out from Jesus. All right, Jesus. See you next Sunday. Man, I was holy so long. Clock out. I'm good now. It's full time. Uh, we as people love good news, though. We love good news. I love good news. I love getting good news. I hate it when people say to me, do you want the good news or the bad news first? I'm like, can we just get good news and good news? Why do we have to have bad news? Right? right? I, remember, I remember it was good news in 10th grade when my geometry teacher told me that I had received an A on my geometry test where I, where I had been failing the whole semester and, and everything about my grade depended on this final exam and I got an A on it and it wasn't just an A, I got the highest grade in the entire school. Oh, yeah, it wasn't because I was smart. I cheated my, no, I'm just joking, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> I literally, it was a, I don't know how I did it. It was a fluke, but I didn't cheat. I actually studied. I didn't, the stars aligned. I got the highest grade in the whole school, and this teacher didn't believe it. She brought me in. She accused me of cheating, all this kind of stuff. She did not like me very much, but that's okay. I didn't like her either. But, but I, it was good news that I got the grade, and I got, and I always say I got away with it. I didn't get away with it because I didn't do anything wrong. Do you believe me? You don't believe me. I didn't cheat. I swear I didn't cheat. <laughs> it's good news when, when I asked Jennifer a question and she said yes. It's good news when I came home one day and, and she had balloons all over the house and pictures of babies taped up all over the wall and I found out I was going to be a, a dad for the first time. It was good news. Come on, we all like good news. We love good news. We love good news movies. Right? I mean, we have all of these movies that they're feel-good movies that, that could be a romantic comedy or it could be a story of overcoming, you know, whether it's, it's Rocky or it's, it's The Blind Side or it's The Lion King or, or it's, I mean, we love these movies because they have a happy ending. You ever watch a movie that has a bad ending? Why would you make a movie with a bad ending? Did anybody see the movie Hachi? It's the worst movie of all time. It's an amazing story. It's about a true story of, the, of, of this Japanese dog 
It's an Akita. They're the dogs that are smarter than humans. They can, you can teach them to talk. You teach them to say, I love you. They're like, oh, 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 oh. I mean, they talk to you. It's crazy. They're smart. Well, in the story, the guy gets the dog. The guy loves the dog. The dog's so smart. He finally trains the dog. He has to go to work every day. He goes and catches the train and rides into the city. The dog walks with him to catch the train. The dog sits at the train station, does whatever he wants to do. When the guy gets home every single day, 5 o'clock, 5.30, the dog is there waiting for him. They walk home. It's the most beautiful, wonderful story. And then all of a sudden, the guy dies. But the dog doesn't get and understand that the guy dies. So every single day, the dog still goes to the train station and sits there waiting for his boss, his master, to come home. For 10 years, every day, at the train station, now the locals are taking care of him. The wife, who is now a widow, comes back to check on him one day, and she's in town, and sure enough, 5.30, Hachi, now he's an old dog. He's like 12 or 13 or whatever, and he's sitting there, and he's waiting at the train station for 10 years. A dog that no longer has an owner is at the train station. It's a true story. 10 years sitting there waiting. And then the last scene of the movie, the dog dies. And I'm, I'm, I'm literally, I'm like throwing stuff in my room. What kind of a movie? I mean, kill all the people. I'm fine with it. Not the dog. Don't kill the dog. Don't kill the dog. If we want good news, we hate bad news. So what's so good about the good news of Jesus Christ. What's so good about it? Do we, do we know it? If someone asked you, hey, what is the gospel? What is the good news? Do you have it? Do you have that answer? Can you rattle that out? What do you say? Do you, uh, can I, hold on. Uh, hey, Siri, could you tell me what the gospel? I hope she didn't answer me right now. That would throw my notes off. Do we know it? I, I want to take you on a little bit of a journey, and I want to equip you with understanding the gospel, and I want you to also see your place in it. The very first words of Jesus in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, verse recorded words of Jesus in this gospel, according to Mark. He says, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God has come near, that means the authority and dominion of God is within your grasp. When he says the kingdom is at hand, it means that you have the ability to grasp, to reach, to grab hold of the authority and the dominion of God. That's good news. Number two, he says repent. That word repent, it means go back to the top. Repent means change the way you think. Go back to a higher perspective. In life, we can get bogged down in low perspectives, and we've got to learn how to repent and go back to the top, the higher perspective of thinking. And then he says, believe the good news. We know Jesus, one of the most famous verses on earth is John 3, 16. We could probably all quote it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. The good news of Jesus is that if you put your faith in him and you believe in him, you can be saved. You can have eternal life. But the good news is bigger than just going to heaven. Did you know that? The good news is bigger than, look, going to heaven, that is the climb, that is the best part of the good news, that you will spend eternity with God in heaven. It's good news. But Jesus said you would have life 
and life more abundantly. He addressed life on earth and life eternal. Jesus constantly talked about the effects of this gospel on your everyday life, and I'm going to show you that in Scripture. First of all, the word, the word salvation, the word saved, comes from the Greek word sozo, S-O-Z-O, sozo. Sozo literally means to be saved eternally, to be healed physically, and to be restored or delivered in your soul. So it addresses your spirit, it addresses your soul, and it addresses your body. The salvation of Jesus Christ is for all parts of who you are, your spirit, your soul, and your body. You're saved eternally, you're saved physically, and you're saved emotionally and mentally as well. When Jesus sent his disciples out, watch this, Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, as you go, proclaim this message, the good news, the kingdom of heaven has come. The kingdom of heaven is, is here. It's within your grasp. The authority of Jesus, the authority of God, it's within your grasp. That's the first part of the good news. And then he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received and freely give. Wow. Jesus sent a bunch of late teen, early 20s disciples out to share the good news, the gospel, and their instructions were to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, people that had leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received the good news, now freely give. See, the good news isn't just for you. Did you know that a lot of churches and a lot of Christians can get really fat and happy and, and, and almost selfish with the good news. Look, I, I love and I'm grateful that people, and it's such an, an amazing honor, such an amazing honor, that, that people would, would want to come and hear what God might say through me. It's a huge honor. But the bigger honor is when people join me in the mission and they look for ways that God can say something through them. We need each other. The, the scriptures make it clear that my job is to equip the saints, y'all, for the working of the ministry. But, but, peop, but, but my job, you know, there's lots of titles. Minister, reverend. I prefer supreme pontiff, but whatever, I mean. <laughs> but the mistake would be to think that I'm the only minister. Brandon's the only minister. Brittany's the only, Travis the only minister. The mistake would think that someone that's on the church staff, that's the minister. No, we're the equippers. And you're the ministers. So you have circles and spheres. That's, that's why a business network, Oaks Business, you have circles and spheres. People that maybe would never come to a church service yet, but they'd come to a networking lunch hear an inspirational somebody, uh, learn some stuff from somebody that did great things in business. It's a baby step for you, to, for you to be the minister in your sphere. See, if you continually live for Jesus in a manner that makes Jesus proud, when the people around you go through experiences 
and the stuff hits the fan in their life, they'll come to you. They'll come to you. Because they recognize that you have something that they don't have. They don't think they need it until they need it. I've got relationships that it felt like were dead end for, for a decade. But I just lived, sowed seeds, loved, sowed seeds. And finally, all of a sudden, the, the, the perfect situation came. And the person was ready. Salvation is for every part of you. What's really cool is, is salvation has no tenses. It's not like just a right now, saved right now. It is saved right now. But, but guess what? It's also saved back then. See, that's what's so cool about Jesus, is Jesus can come into your life, and he can save you from what you did 10, 20, 15, 30 years. He can save you back then. He, God doesn't live in time. You understand that, right? We live inside of the constructs of time. God doesn't live in time. God has the ability to, to, to splice into your life in the past and take care of things and cleanse your sins and wash over things. Salvation is for past it's for present, and it's for future. See, the beauty of salvation is that there are, there are mistakes that I will make 10 years from now. 15, 20, when, when I'm mid, late 60s, 70s, I've got mistakes in my future God already knows about. Well, you think I'm going to shock him? You, you think you can come up with, I'm going to trickle, I'm going to sneak one over on God. He doesn't even know what I'm plotting. Oh, he's going to, I'm going to, no, he knows everything. And when Jesus died 2,000 years ago and paid the price for you, he paid the price for everything you would ever do. The sins you haven't even thought up yet. It's complete, it's total. Yeah, that's, that's good. Come on, that is good news. You can clap for that. It's complete, it's total. Past, present, and future. Spirit, soul, and body. Saved, healed, and delivered. Jesus said, go into all the world. Mark chapter 16, the last words in Mark, Mark's gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. It's good news. You have the opportunity. We actually have a baptism service coming up in just a few weeks. We'll put the word out there. And if, if you would like to, to do that as an act of faith, I would highly encourage you to do that. Maybe you've done it before. You've been baptized before. But, uh, but, but you're in a new season of your life. And you really want to mark this season as a new season where you live for him at a higher level. You accept your mission at a higher level. I've been baptized multiple times. And I would encourage you. It's a great way of marking a moment in history to say that I'm making a public declaration of my faith and who I'm going to be and how I'm going to live my life. It's a beautiful thing that you could do. And if you've never been baptized, I want to encourage you to be baptized. Baptism in water is a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing that aligns you with Christ. In The, the, the water represents going into uh, to, and aligning with Christ in his death and then resurrecting out of it and becoming new. It's a beautiful expression of your faith in Jesus. And I would encourage you to do that. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. So Jesus gives an invitation for you to be a part of something. Go into all the world. It's not just something that's for you. It's something for you to be a part of. That, that passage is called the Great Commission. It's a co-mission, a mission that we share, a mission that we work on together. But I want to show you very quickly the seven 
specific things that Jesus did that make up the gospel. This is what I call the gospel in a nutshell, okay? And we're going to put it on the screen, and you should take a picture of it or write it in your notes. But this is an important thing for you to understand, the work of Jesus Christ, the finished work of Jesus Christ. Are you ready? He came to earth. He lived a perfect life. He died as an innocent person for your sins. Then he rose again from the dead, defeated death, hell, and the grave. And then right after he gave the great commission that I just read to you, go into all the world and preach the gospel, he ascended. They watched him float up into heaven and disappear before their eyes. Over 500 eyewitnesses saw Jesus alive after he was dead for three days. He ascended. Then he sent the Holy Spirit down to earth to come live inside of you so you actually can become the house of God, the temple of God. As for you and your house, you will serve the Lord. You are the house of God. And lastly, he's coming back again, and that's really good news. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Please hurry up. He came, he lived, he died, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit, and he's coming back again. You need to know the gospel. The gospel is incredible good news. Jesus, in his lifetime, and all of these things that I just read to you, those seven things, he fulfilled hundreds of prophecies about the Messiah and what the Messiah would do. But the Messiah, the Messiah you understand if you've read the Bible, he wasn't received well by all people. He, he, he was rejected by people. And he literally said, if, if they reject me, they'll reject you. Jesus was rejected in his own hometown. In fact, right after, right after he receives the Holy Spirit, right after he launches his ministry, right after in Luke chapter 4, right after he had, he had gone out into the wilderness, and, and right after he had uh, defeated the temptation of the enemy so that we also can defeat the temptation of the enemy, he begins his actual ministry and begins to go and, and heal people. He turns water into wine, and, and, and his disciples follow him. And all this, I mean, the miracle ministry is starting around the Sea of Galilee in, the, in, the, in Cana, and then he goes to his home town, Nazareth, where he grew up. He's got family there. Everyone knows him. He comes in to the temple. This is an interesting point. He comes into the synagogue, not the temple, the synagogue in Nazareth, and it says, and as was his custom on the Sabbath, he came into the synagogue, he walks to the front, he pulls out a scroll, he opens the scroll, and he begins to read, as was his custom. So the custom of Jesus was that on the Sabbath, he wasn't just going to service. On the Sabbath, Jesus was leading the service. That was his custom. In his own hometown, Jesus was leading the service. It was not new or strange for Jesus in his own hometown to come up and stand up and read the scroll and read the scriptures and declare the wisdom of the scriptures, he, it, was, it was normal for him. The, all through the scriptures, people called him rabbi. Nobody, did you know nobody called him carpenter? Not one place is Jesus called carpenter. He was called a son of a carpenter, but he wasn't called carpenter. He was called rabbi. So he goes into his own home local church. Imagine this. I'm going to read you what he said. This is, this is from the scroll of Isaiah, Luke chapter 4, 18. Jesus opens up the scroll, Isaiah 61, and he reads, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me 
Because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Incredible. His first message in his, in his hometown after the Holy Spirit comes upon him, after being baptized by John in the wilderness, after receiving the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit, after defeating the, the enemy, he comes into his hometown and he makes a declaration. He reads Isaiah 61, which by the way is the foundational verse of our church. I'll show you in a moment. Isaiah 61, which is a prophecy that was six, seven hundred years old at the time of Jesus. And he reads the prophecy about the Messiah, what the Messiah would do, what the Messiah would look like, what the Messiah's ministry would be like, how they would recognize the Messiah when they found him, when they saw him, when he appeared. And then he says, and today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Do you know what they did? They pushed him out of the synagogue. They pushed him to the edge of a cliff called Precipice that Brandon and I stood on in Nazareth just a couple years ago before the pandemic when you used to be able to go places. They push him out to the cliff and they try to push him off the cliff for blasphemy. And it says that he stood there and no one could touch him and he walked right through the midst of them and no one could lay a hand on him because of the authority of God in his life. They didn't receive his message. It was too offensive. It was too aggressive. It was too bold. Who do you think you are? Oh, you think you're, you actually think you're the Messiah? We know your family. I was your third grade teacher. I mean, these, these are the people, they knew him. They watched him grow up. Couldn't receive it. Jesus said a prophet is of no reputation in his own hometown. It says of Nazareth that, that he was actually in awe of their lack of faith. He was, in, he was impressed with their unbelief. It says, says he could only do minor healings there. No great miracles because the faith in the room, the belief of the audience, they couldn't allow him to be who God had called him to be. This is just a sidebar, but you're going to have places, you're going to have people, you're going to have groups in your life that cannot allow you to be who God's called you to be. I've had seasons of my life where I felt looked over, looked over, looked over, looked over, looked over, and I had someone very powerful in spiritual in my life that came to me and said, Joel, I know you feel overlooked over and over and over and over again. And, and this woman who was very prophetic, very, very in tune with the Holy Spirit, she said, Joel, don't worry. God has shown me that he put a veil over you. He literally has covered over you. They can't see you. He won't let them see you. Because if they knew who you were, they wouldn't be able to handle it. So I put a veil over you so they can't see you. Because at some point in time, God is going to unveil you and he's going to release you into a new environment where you can truly be who you're called to be. Guys, he does that to all of us. He does that to all of us. There are people, I just went back to my 30th high school reunion. And it's really cool because there's a bunch of people from my high school that I used to be really naughty with, and now they watch our services, and that's awesome. But I had other people that were like, hey, you're a pastor. 
<laughs> right? I mean, there's nothing, couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Could never accept that God could do something. And you're going to deal with that too. Because if people didn't believe Jesus and he was God in the flesh, they're going to have a hard time believing you too. But look what Jesus said. Jesus said, God's spirit is on me. He has anointed me. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. Guys, that should be written on every single one of your desks, your mirrors, your wherever you put some, a sticky in your car. Every single day you should see that verse and you should declare that verse over your life. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for he has anointed me every single day. That is my life verse, personally. That's my life verse. But why has he, why is his spirit, that's the next question, why is his spirit upon you? Why has he anointed you? For what purpose? And if you remember, we had a series a few months ago about the anointing. That word anointed, anointing means to be smeared with oil. To be smeared with oil. To be covered with what represented the presence of God. You are smeared with the presence of God. When you spend time with God, his anointing, his oil, his presence, his spirit is tangible upon you. It's tangible upon you. And it's important that you recognize that and you intentionalize that. What would happen if every single day you intentionally got into the presence of God asking for his anointing to come upon your life? Father, your spirit is upon me. I receive your spirit upon me today. You have anointed me. And you go into your life with his presence. I just had Jennifer order me some special anointing oil. It's called Keteret. It's, it's the actual recipe from the Bible. It's the, it can only be made in Jerusalem. And it was, according to the scripture, only to be used in the temple and only uh, to be used for the most holy of purposes. And, and you can find it online. It's not cheap, but, it, but it's amazing. It smells incredible. And, and I asked her to order it for me because I want to carry it with me on purpose. Everywhere I go, I want it in my pocket. Could I do it with canola? Yeah. My God, I, I mean, I, I, Kurt, right now, I carry my favorite anointing oil. It's cherry chapstick. <laughs> this is one of the holiest oils on the planet. It's right up there with whatever they cook. Chick-fil-A, chicken in. That's another anointing oil that's incredible. Uh, but I want to carry, seriously, I want to carry this oil with me on purpose. I've only, I've only seen it and smelled it one time when I, when I was doing a service with this, with this Messianic rabbi. And, and when he opened this little container, I'm telling you, the entire room smelled so powerful. But for me, just a little something for me, I want that in my pocket. Because everywhere I go, every situation I run into, this is just me, this is, this is for Joel, I want, I, I want to have something, a, a point of contact in my pocket that every problem I run into, I realize that I'm not the solution, but I'm really good friends with him. I, I have access to him. Other people may, may not have found that place of access yet, but I, I have access to him. And, and for me, I want to be way more intentional in my life that when I see a problem, I'm not trying to be, I'm not, I'm not being pushy. 
But for me, I want to start saying, hey, can I pray for you right now? Are, are you okay if I, thank you. Are you okay if I prayed for you right now? Are you, could we, and guys, I've been turned down. I've been told no. That's okay. Next fish. Next cast. Guys, we got to get intentional. And recognize that when Jesus said go, it wasn't just for those 12 dudes. When Jesus said go, it was for all of us. In our own spheres, in our own circles, in our own little worlds, at your, at your grocery store, at your favorite restaurants, at your bank, at your PTA, in your little section of the cubicle areas, he's called you to go. God's spirit is upon me. He has anointed me. I want you to look at Isaiah 61 with me, and I want you to, to walk through briefly 12 specific things that this anointing is for. 12 specific things inside of three short verses that Isaiah declared. There are 12 specific things that are the good news of the gospel, the good news of the anointing of Jesus Christ. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Good news to the poor. Hey, what's good news to the poor? Oh, here he goes. It's that name it, claim it, prosperity gospel. I knew it. Marjorie, get your purse. Let's go. <laughs> if there's a Marjorie here, I'm sorry. I just made that name up. I'm not picking. Or maybe it was prophetic. I don't know. Just play it. Come on, people are so, they get so offended so easy. The number one thing, proclaim good news to the poor. What's good news to the poor? You don't have to be po no mo. That's good news to the poor. You don't have to stay in that place. Do you know poverty isn't just about money? You can be poor in relationships. You can be poor in marriage. You can be poor, yeah, funny. You can be poor in your health. The message of good news to anyone that is lacking in any area of their life is that you are connected to a source who doesn't just want to meet one immediate need and give you a sandwich. He wants to change your whole way of thinking. Remember, that poverty is a state of mind. It's a way of thinking. That's why people that win the lottery don't stay rich. Because they think poor. And if you think poor... You can't handle riches. So good news to the poor comes back to the very first thing. The kingdom of heaven is, upon, is, is, is within your grasp. Now repent. Change the way you think. Change the way you think about your marriage. Change the way you think about your money. Change the way you think about your health. Change the way you think about your diet. Change the way you think about your boss. Change the way you think about your employees. You can have a whole lot of money and be poor. Proclaim the good news of the poor. He has sent me to bind up or to heal the brokenhearted. Oh my gosh, lots of brokenhearted people out there. You run into them every single day. Going through breakups, going through divorce, going through hard times, going through uh, all kinds of situations. To proclaim freedom for the captives. 
Lots of people are captive. Lots of people are wrapped up in habits, wrapped up in addiction. Freedom to captives. The release from darkness for prisoners. There are a lot of people that live in a prison. It might be an actual prison. Might be a prison of shame. Might be a prison of regret, of guilt. A lot of people live in darkness of prison. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Oh my gosh, that's a good one. I love God's favor. That's part of the anointing, part of the good news. That you have God's favor. Favor is connected to favorite. I don't know about you, but I'm one of his favorites. Are you one of his favorites? You're one of his favorites. God has the ability. You're not supposed to pick favorite kids, right? As a parent, you're not supposed to pick favorite kids. I really like this one, this guy. Oh my God, this guy. But you're his favorite. You have his favor. When you go in places, watch, you have an advantage. You're a business person, you have an advantage. Why? His favor. Lots of people miss deals, miss job opportunities, blow interviews because they don't understand who they are. Anybody in sales knows you can talk yourself out of a sale. There's a time where you shut up and know who you are. Right? His favor, the year of his favor, the time of his favor. And the day of vengeance for our God. Oh, that's a good one. You ever prayed vengeance at somebody? Oh, man. I have a new Instagram account. Because this stinking hacker from overseas stole my account. Stole all my followers. Took my identity. Kept my name for a while. Changed my email, but kept my name. All my friends are like, uh, are you a gangster now? I didn't know you were a rapper, Joel. So when I finally got my account back, the first thing I did was message him, this wonderful man who stole my identity. And I prayed, I literally wrote, this is so bad, but I did it. I'm confessing today. I wrote an Old Testament, Old Testament prophetic curse to him. Oh, it was amazing. I'm talking no sleep, no satisfaction in life. His food would have no taste. I mean, I went, I mean, I just, until he repented for his sins and confessed, he would have the, um, the most miserable existence because he had touched the Lord's anointed. And he had, I mean, I just, dude, it was like this long of me just going, it was so fun. He's, all he got to do is just got to repent and he can get out of it. He just, I, I gave him an out, but man, Oh, it was awesome. Man, you can, really, you can really get creative with those Old Testament biblical curses. They're locusts and all kinds of stuff, man. It just gets better. Vengeance of our God. See, when you recognize that God is your defender, oh, man, it sets you free. You don't have to fight. No, you do have to stand, but you don't have to defend yourself. You don't, you don't have to walk around not trusting everybody because of things from the past, because God's got your future and he's your defender and vengeance is his, not yours. 
if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. If you were the dispenser of vengeance, you're going to be the recipient of vengeance because it's about sowing and reaping. To comfort all who mourn, there's comfort inside of this gospel. To provide for those who grieve, this is good news. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of the ashes of death, a crown of life instead of the ashes of death, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and garments of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Watch, and they will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for his splendor. This is my life passage. This is my life verse for decades. Never had an idea. Never had a clue that one day God would call me to plant a church. And inside of this passage that he had given me for decades to live my life by. That the name of the body of people would be inside of that. And next week when we return, I'm going to walk you through as a body, as a body of Christ as the body of Oaks Church, what he has called us to and what our mission and our mandate is inside of this city and this region and this country that we live in. You do not want to miss next week. But I want to run through these real fast, these 12 things, and if you want to write them down. Number one, this anointing, this anointing is for good news over poverty. It's about good news over poverty. The anointing is for our broken hearts to be healed. It's to heal the brokenhearted. It's for our freedom proclaimed from captivity. We don't have to stay captive to things. Our freedom is proclaimed. It releases us from darkness, from imprisonment. We don't have to stay in a dark place of shame or guilt or or trapped inside of our past. Our favor is declared. We are anointed by God and we have his favor upon us. Everywhere we go, we walk in as his favorite. Like Joseph with the coat of many colors. People don't understand why we have so much favor, why open doors happen for us, why we get opportunities and it passes over other people. Guys, the favor, let, next week is our birthday. We're three years old next Sunday. This is amazing. We're having a party. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. But the favor that's on Oaks, I don't understand it, that we would be not even three years old and, and own this place. And, and there are wonderful pastors around the city, wonderful churches around the city, people that are my friends that for whatever reason haven't stepped in to what we're stepping into right now and they've been at it for a decade or more. And God has placed a favor upon Oaks Church, not because we're better than anyone else at all, at all. We have a specific calling and a specific purpose. But there's favor on this house. He's declared victory over our enemies as a part of this gospel. He's declared comfort for us in sorrow. He's declared provision for us in grief. He's declared a crown of life instead of death. He's declared our joy to overcome mourning and our praise instead of despair. In our identity as powerful oaks of righteousness with deep roots, broad limbs, vast reach, prolific production. If you know anything about oak trees, oh my goodness with those acorns. If you ever had a live oak in your yard, 
If your live oak was ever near a swimming pool, it is a love-hate relationship with that oak tree. Because it ain't just the acorns. The acorns are horrible enough, but they also have the curly cues. You know the curly cues? They throw their little spawn, their, 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 their seeds or spawns or what, and they're dropping. It's a live oak. It's constantly planting. Constant, are you feeling this? Constantly planting. Constantly planting. Constantly sowing. Constantly more life. Super prolific. That's the picture of who he's called you to be. We're going to dive into that more next week. But I want you to understand. Jesus said go, and he anointed you to overflow. The anointing is not just for you. The anointing is for you to overflow into your life all around you. If you're in college, in your dorm, in your classes, in your groups, in your study hall, wherever you are, as business people, stay-at-home moms, homeschool parents, whatever you are, whatever you're doing, you have a sphere of influence. Maybe you're called to be involved. We got people in our, in, in our church right now that are called, feel really strongly called to be involved in, in taking a stand for the future of education inside of McKinney so that Christian influence is inside of our school board, inside of our school system. If you want information on that, shoot an, shoot an email to info at oakschurch.com, info at oakschurch.com, and we'll, you, we'll connect you to people that want to be actively involved in being salt and light inside of the government, inside of the school systems, inside of all that kind of stuff, because we're called to be oaks of righteousness. We're called to have influence. We're called to be salt and light and to shine bright in the city and the region around us. You're not anointed just for you. You're anointed to overflow. It's our assignment. I want to pray for you today. And I want to pray two prayers. I'm going to pray one prayer for those that may find themselves in a place today where they need to receive the good news. You may be in a place today where you need to receive the good news. Maybe, maybe you haven't accepted the gospel of Jesus, or maybe it's only been partial. Maybe, maybe you've accepted a partial part of it that you've, you've believed for, that you can go to heaven when you die, but you haven't, you haven't tapped in or believed for the fullness of the gospel. The gospel that's good news for your physical body. The gospel that's good news for your finance. The gospel that's good news for your relationships. The gospel that's good news for your success in business and any endeavor in education, whatever. It's an opportunity to say yes to the good news of Jesus Christ and allow Jesus to be the Lord of every area. What if Jesus was the Lord of your education? What if he was the Lord of your business? What if he was the Lord of your marriage? What if he was the Lord of all your relationships? What if he was the Lord of your sexuality? What if he was the Lord of your, of your finances and your investments? What if he was the Lord of all of that? What could his good news do in your life? Say yes to the good news. The second thing is if you need to say yes to the mission connected to the good news. I'm saying yes to that mission. And that might sound funny to you because it's what I do for a living. It's my whole life. But I want it to be more. I want it to be my social life. I want it to be my daily everything. I, I, I want to live on mission. I want to live on mission. I, 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 don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a clock out Christian. I mean, don't get me wrong. Jesus, Jesus had to get away from people too sometimes. But Jesus was also the guy that stayed there till every single person got touched. He was always available when people were around. 
Maybe you're saying yes to the mission today. I don't know. But whatever your next step is, whatever God is calling you to next, would you just say yes to that today as I pray? Just you can close your eyes. In fact, I, I want you just to, as an act, just to face your hands up to heaven and just offer your life to God, just like that. Just offer, just offer your life to him. And as you do that, wherever you sit, wherever you are currently, if you're driving, just do it with one hand. Keep your eye open too. Just say, say yes, Jesus. Wherever you are, say yes, Jesus. I give my life to you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I believe that you are my Savior. Today I make you my Lord. I say yes to the good news. I say yes to the gospel. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, I'm saved. Put your spirit upon me. Anoint me for the good work of the gospel. I receive you, Jesus. And I say yes to your mission. In Jesus' name, I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm on mission. Amen. Come on and give the Lord a hand. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.